Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, of course, as always, from behind the glass is the man steering the ship. He is the captain. And together, we would like to point out that only a total psychotic would listen to this show at two times the speed. Welcome to the show, Captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen. It's good to see you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for telling a friend. This week we are drinking Anheuser-Busch's Budweiser, an American lager and an American classic, the one-time king of beers, garage grade, three bottle caps out of five. And this week our fridge is full. Thank you to all of you out there, but specifically, first up, thanks to Laura P. in Washington. And a big shout out to Emily in Osage, Minnesota. Next up, we have Brian in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. And in Birmingham, Alabama, we have Andrea. She is mate. And next up, we have our friend Randy in Federal Way, Washington. And last but certainly not least, we have a long-distance cheers way out to Lauren in Port Talbot, Wales. Thank you to everybody for helping us out with this week's show. If you want to contribute to future shows, Go to TrueCrimeGarage.com and click on the donate button. And if you'd like to check out our old episodes, download the Stitcher app. And we have a weekly show called Off the Record, so get hip to that. It's hip to be square. And that's enough of the business. All right, Captain. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. All right, we're back with part three of Brandon Swanson. It's like we never left. Yeah, some people cover this case in 10 minutes. We covered in 10 hours. 10 episodes. <laughs> so going through these theories here, Captain, we talked about how Thinking Sideways said it's impossible for alien abduction. You said no time warp, no Sasquatch. 
Um, there are people, and I find this a little strange, but it is something that you do have to consider anytime you have a missing persons case is that the individual chooses to be missing, that they decide to walk away from their life. Yeah. And we both agree in this case, the fact that Brandon seemed to be lost at some point. So he's calling for help from friends. They don't answer. So then he calls and gets a hold of his parents and he's asking for help basically. Right. And we agree that he didn't walk away from his life based off of his actions leading up to his last known whereabouts. Right. And there's also, it would make zero sense to call mom and dad and then decide to walk away that same night. Yeah. And on top of that, there is no, nothing of his past or anything that his family is pointing to that. This is a possibility. Mm -hmm. One of the more plausible theories, and this kind of branches into a couple different options here is that Brandon perished in some type of accident somewhere out there in that night. This theory seems to be, again, one of the more likely ones, although it's the problem here in this case will continue to be that they've not ever found Brandon. They've never found any evidence of him, Mm -hmm. clothing, a jacket, shoes, anything of his glasses, his phone, anything like that. But let's get into this theory. Let's break it down, right? Brandon was disoriented and confused about where he was. That is not a question. He was 20 miles from where he thought he was. Mm -hmm. We know he got his car stuck in a ditch. We know he was frustrated based off of what his parents were saying. He decided to abandon the vehicle. He started walking. He took what he referred to as a more direct route across fields, farmland, off-road areas, terrain he was not familiar with well not initially he was staying on the road initially and then he went off path correct he's walking along fences and he states to his father he can hear running water meanwhile what else do we know he it's very dark that night brandon is blind in one eye his father heard him exclaim oh shit and then the phone on brandon's side goes dead Mm -hmm. so what happened here well no it's Let's be clear. It doesn't go dead from our knowledge. There's a disconnection. The call drops is right. what I, what I yeah. meant. Sorry about that. Uh, and and you, it's just words, but you're right. It, we need to clear that up because there is a hot debate about if his phone went dead or if it was hot. still active. Yes. After he says, oh, shit, the call ends on Brandon's end. From here, a lot of people say Brandon could have fallen or could have walked into something this would be the river a well Mm -hmm. a sinkhole Mm -hmm. or some other type of obstacle let's go through this because i think we can very quickly eliminate some of these possibilities and this is based off of information that has come out and is pretty wild you know readily available Mm -hmm. the sinkhole theories have basically been debunked by Jeff Hassey. Remember, he's the search manager that we spoke about, who methodically and meticulously was searching for Brandon all these years. He stated that the radius where he calculated that Brandon could have possibly walked from his car, and this is even after the call went dead, according to the blog that he maintained that we referenced yesterday, the, the site's details, in the searches conducted for Brandon, provide, you know, making these public. 
He states that sinkholes form in karst or cave geology. Now, he also says that the only karst geology in Minnesota is in the southeastern part of the state. The area where Brandon went missing is in the southwestern part of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Basically, he's saying he couldn't have fallen into a sinkhole because they're not there. Right. The other thing he points out, too, regarding like wells, open wells and things of that nature on farmland, he points out that the farmland in this area of the country is extremely valuable and that all old wells have been capped off or replaced per Minnesota law. So the days of large wells with buckets that people could fall into, he's saying, are long gone. Right, they could be capped off. And also in this area, these farmers and these people that live in the area would hear about this kid going missing, and they'd probably check their property for any um, signs of Brandon. Yes, he's stating that all the water sources on these industrial farms were quote-unquote, high-tech by 2008. Now, old cisterns could exist, but again, if they do, the searchers have never found one. Mm -hmm. That could leave us with the river. So we have a local woman who participated in the searches for Brandon. She posted that the terrain out there is riddled with swamps, bogs, caves, six-foot-tall grasslands, wooded areas, and ponds. Cattails along the riverbanks are eight feet tall at this time of year. Brandon could have walked or fallen into, you know, the river or the swamps or the bogs at any point along this way. His father says after Brandon says, oh shit, that he heard some type of what he describes as a slipping sound. Mm-hmm. And we know that the scent dogs tracked Brandon to the actual river and then seemed to indicate that he got back out of the river. So th- this is goes into what you were talking about earlier, Captain, where you have to wonder, is it possible did Brandon fall into the Yellow Medicine River? And did something happen to his phone that right. he that he even maybe he didn't drown in the river or maybe he did. Maybe he hit his head and drowned in the river. But you also have this theory that maybe. He, he slipped into the river, he gets out, but his phone does not. Mm-hmm. Then the question is, would his phone continue to ring for a few days even after submerged? Jeff Hasse says, yes, this is a possibility. That the, the sound that the caller hears has nothing to do with the condition of the actual phone. So this makes this a a very possible thing here, right? Yeah. And sometimes when you're trying to call somebody, if you don't have great service, your phone will ring multiple times before it actually tries to connect to them. Right. Right. So the idea being here that maybe something happened to the phone, here's, here's the, the thing that you really got to consider, right? If he did fall into the river, even if he got out, he very likely could be soaking wet. Then we, He's staggering along the road until he decides to stop and rest somewhere. Maybe this is a hole, a field, or Mm -hmm. in the woods, or an abandoned barn. He could have died of hypothermia. Temperatures dropped to 39 degrees that night. We both agreed that he was wearing fairly warmth clothing for that evening. The river was only 55 degrees. Could Brandon have succumbed to the cold, especially if he was wet? 
His body, having not been found yet, could be because it was either too obscured or has been scattered by animals, plowed under and broken up by heavy farm equipment. We have to remember that searchers were not able to access all of the farmland in the area, some of which were covered thickly with high, tight crops. There's some interesting things that Jeff Hassey states in his information that he's made public. When he's talking about, you know, we, we reference how many dogs they used in the search for Brandon over the years. Mm-hmm. The problem is at certain times of the years, the, the, the crops are at different heights. And he says that the height of crops can make it extremely difficult, if not impossible, for a dog to find the scent. Right. And, and it's just hard to search in general when you have obstacles like that. You see that in a case like the Long Island serial killer case. Jeff Hassey also states that this region receives nearly constant winds, which can come from any direction. These winds move scent from the source and deposit it into what he refers to as scent pools. Mm-hmm. This can throw off the cadaver dogs, meaning they they won't be able to settle on an exact location of the remains. The other possibility, too, that he points out is that the remains may have been scattered over a wide area. And this could be by predators, you know, such as animals, mm-hmm. or that they were moved by human activity, such as farmers tilling their fields or baling hay or corn stalks, something like that. Mm-hmm. Then again, we also have these access issues. They've not been able to search everywhere that they would like to search. They have been very careful to protect landowners' property over the years, generally avoiding searching fields with crops in them, even though he states there's a very likely chance that Brandon ended up in a field. Right. He states that this, yeah, this only leaves spring and fall available for them to search. Mm-hmm. And then we have the difficulty of how much land there is to search. Remember, he pointed out that you're prioritizing 98.5 square miles. Yeah. He says a lot of land. Yeah. He says to effectively search a single 160 acre field, a team, a whole team of people must walk in excess of 10 miles in what he says is difficult footing. Along these same lines here, Captain, he points out that. Not all of the private landowner. Along these same lines here, Captain, Jeff points out that not all of these private landowners have agreed to searches because let's say Brandon attempted to seek shelter from the wind or from the cold right. at some point along his journey. Maybe he crawls into an outbuilding or under some old machinery and then passes there. He says that they've not searched all of the farmsteads. In fact, they've only searched very few of the farmsteads in the area. Well, you said there was a radius that they had to search, and there's a, what what was the percentage? Like, they've only been able to search about 60%? 60% of the area that they've prioritized, yes. Well, and to go back to the cadaver dogs, too, if you have, like, a, a small pond of water, but it has a, a drains into something. Mm-hmm that the cadaver dogs normally do not hit inside the pond. Like the body could be in the middle of the pond. The cadaver dogs normally hit where the water is draining because that's where the scent is um, more dominant. He also points out the conditions 
in Minnesota at that time of year. And by his, all of his knowledge and all of his experience, it's his opinion that a body could become fully skeletonized within a week. Mm-hmm. So that's very quick out there. Even calculating that Brandon's body was likely fully disarticulated by mid July of 2008. And he says this would be very likely at the latest. And one of the things that makes this case so much more fascinating is like you've been talking about is the documentation of the search. That yeah. really changes everything with as far as like the Brandon Lawson case or, or like even like Mara Murray, like we don't have um as detailed records of the searches that happen and and in those cases. Right. And so what is fascinating here and really educating at the same time is all the information about the searches throughout the years, detailed information where we have a complete understanding of, look, so many, so many shows and so many news articles and so many website forums and message boards, they keep coming back to the idea that something weird had to have happened because they've not found Brandon. Right. The problem here is we have the, the search manager, the guy in charge and his team that is very publicly stating, we had this huge area to search. We went over the difficulties of the search or what could have happened throughout the, the, the years, wherever Brandon may be that adds to the difficulty level of the search and yet we have them saying there's still almost 40% of the prioritized area that we have not been able to get to. Yeah. Which is sad because this is somebody's child. This is people's friends, the, you know, and I understand why some of the places haven't been searched, but it's kind of sad. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a, a multitude of reasons why certain areas have not been searched. And some of it is just happenstance. Some of it is just the lay of the land itself. What do we think happened here, Captain? We we could spin our tires all day long on the possibilities and the searches and what has taken place over the course of 11 years mm-hmm. or almost, you know, 11 years now. What do we think happened? And well, well, let's take a quick beer break so we can gather our thoughts and gather some beers. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. 
IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. 
Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, got that king of beer. King of beer. Kings. King of beers. (laughs) What did I say? I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at my notes and trying to talk at the same time. I'm doing the same thing. I'm moving some things around. Would you like to go first, my friend? Yeah, I can. I think um, to me it's where does the evidence take us, I think. One with this search, we we will find, you know, with a the abandoned car, we're gonna find him within this area. I think where the the initial scent dogs hit into the river, that's the Yellow Medicine River. Correct. Um, where they hit there and then came out of the river, I think they should have just probably stayed in the river. Um. That's what my what my gut is telling me is the oh shit again when he was talking to his father he's saying well I'm I'm along this fence line I can hear water and then boom oh shit um we have no signs of foul play but that does not mean that further down the line you know uh if the scent dogs just stopped that further down the line there wouldn't be maybe something but we have had no reports of that so. I think where the car was with possibly being tired, I think with um, possibly being, you know, let's say buzzed. I think there's some mm-hmm. evidence that he you know, had a few drinks. He was frustrated. He was tired. He was walking. Uh, he was trying to get help. He was definitely lost uh, or not in the area that he thought he was. I think that area is very easy to be confused, and I think you're going to dive into that more. But I think, like I said, the dogs take us to that area. I think his conversation with his father uh, on the phone points to being in that area and to be be around that that river. Mm-hmm. We have not found his body. Now, I think that is a leap, like you said. Maybe 60% of this area has been searched, 40 hasn't. So could you find his body somewhere else? Yes, and I understand that they also searched this river. I think it would be a lot harder to find his body in water in general. So I I, I just think that kind of leads to it. And I know, like I said, I know that's a leap to say, well, well, you haven't found his body on land, so therefore it puts him into water. But I think there's other 
like I said, those other pieces of evidence kind of points us in the direction that there could have been an accident that happened uh, along that that water line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to address a few different things that I think are confusing this whole situation from all of the armchair detectives, all the people on the outside looking in. I think first I want to address the issue of I'm not totally discrediting or discounting the possibility of foul play, but what I do want to discredit is the thought that because his name is on Vicap means that he met with foul play and people keep going back to that. Well, law enforcement must know something that we don't know because they put him on Vicap. That, that, that is a possibility that they know something that we don't. It's definitely a possibility, but looking into that specific situation, what I gathered from the database is that Vicap was alerted of Brandon Swanson's situation on March 5th of 2010. And then it was released to the public as being part of the Vicap database on April 7th of 2010. Now, remember what we reported earlier that back in March of 2010, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension became the lead investigating agency on the case. New eyes looking at a cold case. What I'm getting to here, Captain, is it's my thought that the reason that Brandon is on VICAP is not because there is evidence of foul play or that he was met with violence. It's simply because a new agency took over his case and decided to ask it to be applied to VICAP as something that it, it can't hurt to put him on the database. Right. The only thing that could hurt is uh, the rumor mill. Mm -hmm. And then I also want to address the issue of him being disoriented or, you know, why he got lost that whole situation. First of all, I question one, how well he would have known any of these areas outside of route 68 and route 23. I, I seriously question that. First of all, how experienced of a driver is he? He's only 19 years old. And we have some stories that may indicate that he might've even lost his license at one point. And then people point out that, well, he traveled this route for a full school year to and from Marshall and Canby, where his school was. I take, I take a little issue with that too, because this, the typical school year at this school is late August to mid May. It's not really a full year one. And they take about a month long break in the middle of the winter. So it's not a full year, first of all. And then second of all, why would he know the areas off of route 68 route 68 takes him to and from school. So I really question how well he knew this area. Then on top of that, we have some confusion, confusing things going on regarding the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. So anybody that has seen this area on a map will know that the, the streets and the roads, the country roads out there are laid out basically like a square grid. Yeah, I believe there's a simple version of this map uh, on Wikipedia. Yeah, I would I would encourage anybody to look up that simple version of the map and then use your own map app to really zoom in on some areas and go through that trail that we t discussed in detail regarding the dogs' movements when they were 
following or believed to be following Brandon's movements. Mm-hmm. Now, what you will see here is regarding this map. Okay, so picture a square. If you're not looking at it, picture a square. Route 68 runs diagonally from the northwest corner of that square to the southeast corner of that square. Mm-hmm. Above Route 68 and below Route 68, you have country roads that are laid out in a grid. Now, north of 68, we have street names and avenue names such as, they're all kind of numbers. There are some that are named, but the overwhelming majority of them are just numbers, meaning like 360th Street, 280th Avenue, 110th Street, 150th Avenue, so on and so forth. You get what I'm talking about. Now, north of Route 68, all of the numbered roads, if they're going east to west, Mm -hmm. they are an avenue. If they're going north to south or south to north, they are streets. If you get south of 68, it flip-flops, where all of the numbered country roads going north to south are avenues, and east to west are streets. What I'm getting at here is you would only have to take one wrong turn to end up going the wrong way if you, let's say you are somewhat familiar with the area and you are aware that, oh, avenues run east to west, streets run north to south. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm lost, I'm going to use that information to guide me back to where I think I need to get to. Well, if you make one wrong turn, basically take that whole square map that I just described and turn it on its side. Because now the streets are going east to west and the avenues are going north to south. It's a very tricky area. So I I completely understand why somebody, anyone, Mm -hmm. regardless of their situation, how much they've had to drink, how little they've had to drink, what they've ingested or not, would get turned around and confused in this situation. And again, as we pointed out, there are indicators to him that he is right in his statement. Mm-hmm. where he sees, I got to go across a major road. There is a river that runs into that town. I must be where I think I am. Right, and the simple fact of the matter is the people that say, well, he knew this area. Well, he didn't because where he told his family he was, he was not. Mm-hmm. And that's all the proof that you need, that he didn't know where he was at. Maybe he does know that area well, but that night, um, no, he didn't know where he was at. The other thing, too, that I think gets in the way of really sorting through all of this is the oh shit moment, right? So this this case, oddly enough, made me think back to my childhood, okay? I'm a child of the 90s, and what I'm talking about here, Captain, is the song The Things That Make You Go Hmm by CNC Music Factory. This was a 1990 release. Things That Make You Go What? Hmm. Mm-hmm. don't bother looking up the song. It's as bad as you expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, now look, this case, of course, this is a tragic case here of this young man, but it's truly a big question mark. And why so many people are fascinated by this case is that it's a big question mark. Now, if you look at the lyrics for that song, the things that make you go, hmm, the lyrics in that song is listing out very simply the things that make you go, hmm. 
Now, there are a lot of questions in this case, but what I was really looking at regarding the phone call, he says, oh, shit, and then the phone call ends. I was really thinking to myself, what are the things that would make me go, oh, shit, right? And so we're going to put ourselves in Brandon's shoes here, so to speak. Now, that could have been any number of things. It could have been some type of accident. He could have hurt himself. You know, people, people say he a car stepped wh- in a pile of shit, right? Whatever. But the, the problem is the call ends after this takes place. So you can't, you can't just look at this and go, Oh, what would make me say, Oh shit. What would make me say, Oh shit. And then the phone, the phone call ends. You have to put those two things together mm-hmm. because that's what took place. Now, of course it could have been some type of accident. He could have fallen into the river. The river kills his phone. But the other thing, just as simple, could be his phone is going to die. Right. The phone is losing its charge. It has no battery life left. His phone, according to what you can, the specs that you can find online, has 400 minutes of call time, of talk time. Mm-hmm. We know that this one phone call, the last phone call, took up 47 minutes of talk time. That's one eighth of the whole battery life right there. Now, on top of that, he's yeah, had, it wasn't a good phone on top of that. He's had multiple calls with mom and dad before this last one. Mm-hmm. He's also gone to two parties that night. I mean, this phone is basically a rock with an antenna. He left his home by all accounts around 6 PM that night. So he's been gone. It's now three in the morning. He's been gone like nine hours. So what I'm getting at here is... Car charger, though. That's very possible. But what I'm getting at here is it's very likely that he could have been talking and talking and talking, pulled the phone away, looked at the screen and went, oh, shit, or got some kind of notification that he heard on his end, but his father didn't hear, Mm -hmm. and goes, oh, shit. And then the phone goes dead simply because the battery life ran out. The thing here is that doesn't get us any closer to what happened to Brandon, but what I'm getting at is what I think is is so polarizing about that case, this case, is that phone call, where I think it's just kind of confusing and it's really clouding the whole situation. The phone call and him saying, oh, shit, may mean nothing at all. could be something super small, something as simple as his phone dying, and then whatever took place took place after he no longer had the use of his phone. I do think that there's some type of accident that took place out there that led to his demise, Mm -hmm. that he probably did succumb to the elements at some point that evening. And I think it's very likely that he is somewhere in that area that they've been unable to search for any number of reasons. That's 40% of the area. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's what what happened here? I think everything that the people that are closest to this case are saying is probably exactly what happened. He wasn't that messed up. He just he got disoriented because the area itself is confusing. Yeah. It's late at night. It's not well marked. It's it would be confusing for anybody traveling in that area. Right. He he t- tried to turn around because he knew he had to go an extra mile or two to get to the next intersection. And he was frustrated and upset that he wasn't home already. And he just wanted to turn around as quickly as possible. And he ran into the bad luck of getting his car hung up in the ditch. 
And then he ran into further bad luck of having indicators pointing out to him that he may, in fact, be where he thinks he is. I think this is just a, one of those tragic cases. And, and unfortunately, I've heard statements from his mother and from his sister that are just heartbreaking, where his mother says, I'm kind of come to the conclusion that we won't find Brandon in my lifetime. And then his sister adds to that by going, I'm starting to think we won't find him in my lifetime. Yeah. And because even if you take, like I said, my theory, I lean more towards the idea that he ended up in that river. Well, we know what, what the water can do to to bodies and, and speed up the composition, you know, decomposition of the body. Uh, not to mention the weather out there being a little more extreme and, and um, colder weather. And then, it, and then also, if you're right that he is somewhere in this 40% that they haven't been able to search, like you talked about, you have farm equipment, you have you know a lot of this machinery that's going to be coming through, you have animals, you, you have the, the weather, uh, you have all these things stacked up against you to actually find his remains. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, the thing I want to point out here too, Captain, is, look, I'm sure there's a lot of us out there listening to this and going, well, whatever happened to Brandon would never happen to me. I have GPS on my phone. I have a much different phone than what Brandon had to carry back in 2008. Let's let's be smarter than that. Let's take this a step further. Put some things in your vehicle. Put some safety precautions in your vehicle. Flashlights. Yeah, and he he might have had some. He he know. may he may have, but he was a young kid. This I think this is just a this was a friendly reminder to me or an unfriendly reminder, however you want to look at it. A reminder to me that it's a good idea to have things like a flashlight, first aid kit, flares. However far you want to take this thing, blankets, some people put bottles of water mm-hmm. in their vehicle. This can happen to any of us. And if you're better prepared, you might have a different outcome. Yeah. And even though I, I really think my, my gut feeling is correct, and then even if it's not correct, then I, I'd lean more towards the idea, okay, well, maybe he made it out of the water and now uh, we just haven't found him in that that 40% that hasn't been searched. I, I can go with that. That One of the things that really makes me ponder this case more is the vehicles left and both doors are open. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It seems one super strange to me and a bit creepy and scary at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's the only indicator throughout this whole story that whatever Brandon was telling his father and his mother, that something totally different could have been going on. That's the only indicator to me. One, one way that I've tried to apply some just very basic logic to why the, the car doors would be open. Obviously if somebody came along and tried to wanted to steal something or look for something of value in the car, that's an obvious thing. Right. But I also wondered if, look, they were trying to use lights earlier in in this whole thing as a way of finding one another by flashing the right. lights. Part of me wonders if Brandon, look, we know he was a smart guy. There's nobody disputing that. I wonder if while he's troubleshooting his problem, 
here if he thought, you know what, I'm going to head off on foot walking northwest towards this town. Yes, I'm going to meet my father there, but he's still under the belief at that time that he is in the area of where his father is searching, right? So is it possible that he thought, I'll take this a step further and leave the car door open or doors open, this leaving on the light inside of the car mm-hmm. that my father might see. So if he doesn't find me, at least he finds the car and I can we can use that as a landmarker to meet up. So I, I kind of thought that the only thing that, that, that makes, that punches a hole in that thought and theory is that you think this might've been discussed between Brandon and his father and it wasn't as far as we know. Yeah. It seems that detail to me seems like something that's going to keep this mystery around for a while. Right. And his father and mother not only led the search that night and really pushed to get law enforcement involved as quickly as possible, but they've continued to lead the search for all these years. Yeah. And all missing children cases are difficult. I, I think there's an element of the fact that you both were get, getting up that night to go help him makes it even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, and I hope and pray that his mother and sister are wrong in their thought and their belief that they've kind of come to the idea that they may never know what happened to Brandon in throughout their, the course of their lifetime. I hope that they're wrong with that. The, the family this has got to be haunting for them. And they've already kind of come to the idea and somewhat accepted the idea that Brandon's very likely no longer with us. But to have some answers would would be very big for them in this situation. Now, there is a thing today called Brandon's Law. And this is because of Brandon's parents. Annette and Brian Swanson are responsible for the enactment of Brandon's law, which became effective in Minnesota on July 1st, 2009. This law requires Minnesota police to begin an immediate search for missing adults under 21, as well as older adults who are missing under suspicious circumstances. And Brandon's situation certainly falls into that, regardless of what theory you favor or believe. The Swansons have kept the porch light on for their son. They have burned through many light bulbs in the 11 years he has been missing. Brian Swanson has acknowledged that the family likely won't find Brandon alive, but they still want to find him. There has never been a memorial service for Brandon. Brandon's sister is now married, and Brandon now has two nephews, which he has never met. The Swansons want to know what happened to their son. They say, quote, You know people don't just vanish into thin air, but it sure seems like he did. All right, Captain, before we wrap things up this week, how about a little recommended reading? We have one from our good friend, good friend of the show, Billy Jensen. His new book called Chase Darkness With Me. Captain, you and I hung out with Billy at CrimeCon, and he was kind enough to send a couple of copies of Chase Darkness with me to the garage. We can't wait to read it. That's by Billy Jensen. You don't have to write that title down, though, because you can go to truecrimegarage.com, click on the recommended page, and we will have 
that title there for you along with other recommendations. Yeah, and I think he owed us the book because he thought that uh, Bob Ruff was going to outdrink me. But uh, but like we know, like everybody knows, Bob Ruff said goodnight, therefore disqualifying himself and making me the winner of the drinking contest at CrimeCon. So thank you, Billy, and thank you, Bob, for quitting on the drinking contest. That's right. All right. Until next week, everybody out there, be good, be kind, and don't let it. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.